This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. What's up? What's up, everybody? Ricky Widmer here, along with the Mark Weber. Dub them ease. Back like we are every week for the onside kick here on Most Valuable Podcast. Want to thank you guys for checking us out, giving us a listen, either if you're on Blog Talk Radio or on our YouTube channel. Thank you guys for checking us out. A little bit of house cleaning first. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Then go to our Twitter links in the description. Hit the follow button. Also check us out on Patreon, patreon.com backslash most valuable podcast. Just a way for you to help support the podcast rather than hitting the like, subscribe button, and sharing the video. But we got a jam-packed show, Mark. We're going to be talking about Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. And then we're going to be looking at coaching for the rest of the podcast. Look at the Packers, our NFC North topic, and then coaching all throughout the rest of the show. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff to talk about, especially because, you know, Aaron Rodgers uh, is is hot in the media right now because of the fact that he went out there, performed well. People, just like a few weeks ago, everyone was like, oh, the Packers and Aaron Rodgers, they shut mm-hmm. everybody up. Uh, and I did just last week in our NFC North discussion say, at any time, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers can decide they want to start winning games. Might we be in that? I don't know. We'll talk about it. Well, and the reason why is Aaron Rodgers had an amazing Monday night performance against the Philadelphia Eagles where he completed a phenomenal 76.9% of his passes, 30 of 39 to be exact, two touchdowns, no INTs, and threw for 313 yards in that game, the longest being a 50-yard bomb. But the question that we are going to ask for this podcast, Mark, and I'm just going to be frank, I'm just going to throw it out there to start the discussion, and I'm going to let you answer it and talk about it first. Is Aaron Rodgers the NFL's best quarterback? And when I say that, I want to throw this out right now. I know someone's already commented, you guys are an idiot. Tom Brady's the best quarterback. We're not looking at championships. We're not looking at past success. We're saying right now in the NFL, is he the best quarterback so if you're one of those people who commented that, I'm just going to respond with this timestamp. Yeah. But Mark, go ahead. It's really uh, if your if your team is going out there today and you can choose any of these guys, mm-hmm. which one are you taking? Um, no, I don't think that right now Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback, and that's uh, I don't want to say unfortunate because I'm a Chicago Bears fan, but I've always kind of said that Aaron Rodgers is one of the best out there. That's not surprising. That's not bold to say. You know, it's really always come down to Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. Peyton Manning's retired. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers are the two that's left. But this year, far and away, Aaron Rodgers is not the best quarterback in the NFL this year. Uh, His team has kind of fallen apart. There's locker room issues. People are complaining about personality things right now. There's a lot of things going on. And the thing about Aaron Rodgers is, yes, his passer rating is good. Mm -hmm. Yes, he's got a lot of yards. Yes, he's got a shit ton of touchdowns. It's Aaron Rodgers. This is kind of what we expect. And maybe part of the problem here is, and I'm sure someone will harp on this as well, is the fact that we're used to greatness out of Aaron Rodgers. But we're not getting Aaron Rodgers-level greatness. We're used to MVP type of play, and we're not getting that this year from him. There are probably at least three quarterbacks that I would start before I start Aaron Rodgers this year. 
probably more as well. Uh, those more will probably get a little bit more debatable. My my answer to this question of if I'm starting anybody, who's it going to be? Mm-hmm. You know, there are people who I will, you know, I'm sure we're going to get into talking about Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Dak Prescott, Derek Carr. I'm sure these are people we're going to get used to talking about. Mm-hmm. But the person I want to mention is sticking in my rivals, is sticking <laughs> to the NFC North. It's not Sam Bradford. It's Matthew Stafford. I wish it was Sam Bradford. I wish I you were able to say <laughs> I don't. it was Sam Bradford. Like That would just you know make mm-hmm. me the ticklest, the kind of purple yeah. that my Vikings are. No, I mean, you know, you look at Matt Stafford, yeah, he's about 200 yards short on Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. He's uh, eight touchdowns short. He's thrown less interceptions than Aaron Rodgers, but he throws the ball less than Aaron does. Uh, he has a higher passer rating than Aaron Rodgers has. So um, QBR, a little less than Aaron Rodgers as well. Um, but what I'm really looking at this for and what the knock that people are getting on Aaron Rodgers currently mm-hmm. seems to be is all the personality issues, the locker room issues. Whether he is losing his team or not, I'm not prepared to say one thing or not uh, or another on that one because I'm not in that locker room and there's not enough leaks in the locker room to talk about it. But what I give it to Matthew Stafford for, this team is probably not good enough to be where they're at right now, which is division favorites. But Matthew Stafford is going to be the guy to pull the Aaron Rodgers of old and drag his team in, whether they want to be in or not, into the playoffs. That is what we're used to out of Aaron Rodgers. We're used to saying that I don't care if my, you know, offensive line is bad, if my defense is not mm-hmm. that great. I don't care if I have a running game or not because I have Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers just last year was going out there with scrubs at wide receiver because Jordy Nelson was hurt. That's what Matthew Stafford has. Matthew Stafford lost one of the all-time great wide receivers Megatron, Calvin Johnson, and he is still going out there and dragging this team into victories, late victories too. He's going out and doing what he always does, which is fourth quarter wins. That's the kind of guy who I would start any day over almost anybody. That's why I got to give a nod to Matthew Stafford right now as probably the best quarterback in the NFL. We haven't been giving him MVP consideration, Mm -hmm. but if this team... Keeps doing it the way they are, he should. When Sean and myself, a while ago on the onside kick, when you were absent, Mark, Mm -hmm. when we talked about kind of mid-season MVPs, Matthew Stafford was in... Then he should because he is the he is the sole reason why the Lions this, are in first place. Yeah, he is dragging them to victory. The thing about Aaron Rodgers, and I was looking at an article on ESPN where they asked the same question. Where at the beginning of the article, it's titled "Aaron Rodgers isn't the Packers' problem," and they make four points of Rodgers' excellence. They talk about his incredible feet, his quick mind, his pocket strength. And then his pre-snap dominance. And the one thing that I think of is, yeah, Aaron, like Aaron Rodgers has those traits, but you're, you're looking at the Aaron Rodgers of old when you're talking about that. This year, this year alone, I don't know if this stat changed drastically after week 12, but according to profootballfocus.com, before heading into this Monday night game, there were two quarterbacks that had the best 
time in the pocket by their offensive line. Tyrod Taylor was at number one, had the most time in the pocket. Aaron Rodgers is number two. The most time in the pocket to throw behind his offensive line. And you think of that. That alone is like Aaron Rodgers should be killing it if he has one of the top two times behind or most time in the pocket, I should say, to throw the ball. But this season has been very, you look at the numbers for Aaron Rodgers and you're like, okay, yeah, they're passable. And some people might think I'm slighting Aaron Rodgers by saying that, but he does have over 3,000 yards, a touchdown ratio of 27 touchdowns to seven INTs. He does have a 97.8 passer rating mm-hmm. this year. Those numbers are great. If he's your starting quarterback, you're like, cool, I've got a starting quarterback. But when I look at and I'm looking at passer rating right now, he's 12th. You want to know who's right above him, who has a better passer rating than Aaron Rodgers? Brian Hoyer. Brian Hoyer has a better passer rating than you. Sam Bradford has a better passer rating than you. And Brad Bradford started out good, hasn't been good since. You've got Big Ben, you've got Stafford, Carr, Cousins, Mariota, Dak Prescott, Drew Brees, Matt Ryan, and Tom Brady. Those are the 11 guys ahead of Rodgers in the rating category. And I know what you're saying. Well, Ricky, it's not all about quarterback rating or QBR when you're a quarterback this just hasn't been the Aaron Rodgers that we're used to seeing. And my biggest knock of Aaron Rodgers is not his personality, although it isn't a good sign when former players are coming out and saying, hey, it's hard to get along with this guy. Because in my mind, I would want a guy leading my offense who it's easy to get along with him. The one thing that I haven't seen in Aaron Rodgers is I haven't seen him attempt the deep ball enough this season. How many times last year? I mean, Detroit fans, you guys were kind of, it's in your nightmares when it comes to Aaron Rodgers' deep ball passes, especially when it's at the end of a game. I want to say that game was in overtime to Richard Rodgers when he won that game on that Hail Mary. We haven't seen that same Aaron Rodgers this season when it comes to the deep ball. And with me, because of that, because of, I'm going to throw in the personality issues, but overall this season, just watching him play and watching this team, there are a few quarterbacks that I would pick over Aaron Rodgers, and you said Matt Stafford. The guy that I would pick is Derek Carr. Because to me, he is, Derek Carr is this year everything that is not Aaron Rodgers. Derek Carr is liked by his teammates, liked by his coaches. There's nothing really bad you can say about the guy. Everybody likes him. He can go out there and he'll sling the ball all over the field each and every week, and he'll will his team to victory. Also, doesn't turn over the ball. Yeah, he has five less touchdowns than Aaron Rodgers, but he also has less interceptions, so he doesn't turn over the ball. To me, that's who I'd rather have. I rather have Derek Carr. Now I know there's always a discussion of well, Ricky, everyone if they could choose Tom Brady, because Tom Brady it doesn't matter. I know I said earlier, oh well, we're not talking about Super Bowls. Tom Brady, 18 touchdowns, one INT. 
Yeah. But that's also Tom Brady. We knew we were almost going to expect this from Tom because he's playing pissed off this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly good. It's hard to it's hard to make those type of comparisons when you're just looking at everything this quarter, mm-hmm. that these quarterbacks have. Uh, and Tom Brady, uh, Tom Brady has a really good team out there. He's got a much better coach in Bill Belichick than Mike McCarthy. Uh, in Green Bay, mm-hmm. you know, I, I have to rag on Mike McCarthy anytime I get the opportunity. Someone who I want to, of course, give another mention to is someone who has very, very similar but better stats than Aaron Rodgers. Uh, is that Matt Ryan? Matt Ryan's got nearly 500 more yards, one less touchdown, but one less interception. Much better quarterback rating, better QBR. He's got these great stats too, and he's another guy who is kind of leading a team to be better than they probably should be. Not that the you know Atlanta Falcons are a bad team by any stretch of the imagination, but he's definitely willing them to be a little bit better. And Matt Ryan's Falcons have beaten the Green Bay Packers this year. So, I mean, I, I don't want to give too much to that, but it's, mm-hmm. it is something. Of course, you know, the... Uh, you know, when I'm talking about Matthew Stafford, Matthew Stafford's team lost to the Green Bay Packers, so maybe you want to take a knock on him for that. Um, Matt Ryan, when you just look at stats alone, uh, is probably the best option that is not Aaron Rodgers because, like I said, one less touchdown but one less interception, more yards, better QBR, better quarterback rating. I mean, he's not going to... I don't know. It's it's not it's not the sexy pick, you know. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, those guys are your your kind of sexy picks. But you just look at these guys, and it's okay to have a bad year, you know. And I don't. This isn't a bad year for Aaron Rodgers, but it's okay to have a down year from what we would expect from you. But when you just look at things like I know you were talking about the quarterback rating before, mm-hmm. but QBR, where Dak Prescott is the number one rated quarterback by QBR, Tom Brady and Matt Ryan behind that. Uh, then Aaron Rodgers at four with Drew Brees at five. But it's just one of these situations where all these quarterbacks who are good quarterbacks, mm-hmm. the reason why people are getting on Aaron Rodgers so much now is the this team has always been good. Mm-hmm. When have the Green Bay Packers ever not been good with Aaron Rodgers there? And suddenly they're going in an area where it's not that good of a season and things are kind of falling apart. I think that's a big issue here where people where there's locker room issues apparently and I don't I don't necessarily I'm not willing to jump on the bandwagon uh people aren't able to get along with Aaron Rodgers. Um he's got a bad personality. Well, and the thing about that that I just want to jump in is one of the guys who came out earlier this month or at the end of mm-hmm. last month that um I remember watching the herd and he mentioned, "Oh, Greg Jennings yeah. is coming out against Aaron Rodgers. There's to me I take that with a little bit of a grain of salt because when you're going from Brett Favre, who to me was Mr. Personality, and then going mm-hmm. to Aaron Rodgers, of course you're going to get a bad image of Aaron Rodgers if you're used to Brett Favre and his personality. Well, also it's you can't forget that Greg Jennings was a Green Bay Packer for so long, then ended up in Minnesota, did not find success in Minnesota. And Miami, don't forget Miami. That's true. He was in Miami for a little bit. Uh, didn't find success there either. You know, so, I, I mean, that's one of those things where I feel like that's kind of sour grapes in mm-hmm. a way. I would be, I would more want to see, if I was going to be willing to believe it, I'd want to see a current Packer player say something. 
that would make me more likely to believe it. Um, although, you know, what the family issues are, I'm not going to go into mm-hmm. that because I really don't know. Uh, but there's a lot of talk about that going on right now. It's just one of those times where the first time something is going wrong for the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers, sometime for, you know, forever now, everything's been going so well. And it's kind of that how do you handle it, kind of like with uh, Cam Newton not too long ago in the Super Bowl. The team loses finally uh, for their second time that season, and everyone's complaining about how they don't like how he acted when he lost. That's what we're kind of looking at with Aaron Rodgers is when the team's not doing well, wow, he's definitely not having an Aaron Rodgers-like season. He's definitely just not putting out that uh, personality that we, I guess, would expect out of Aaron Rodgers. You know, they made a big deal about the fact that he wasn't doing his championship belt celebration Mm -hmm. for a little bit. Like, that was a big deal. People are just kind of looking for things to, to kind of point out, I guess. But it's just a down year for Aaron Rodgers. This year, he's definitely not the best quarterback in the NFL. Uh, Tom Brady, better. Matt Ryan, better. I mean, technically, Dak Prescott's doing better, but I wouldn't really say so. I think Matthew Stafford's better. That's really my three. When I mentioned my three before, Tom Brady, Matt Ryan, Matthew Stafford. Well, and I'm looking at an article right now, and I'm going to put this article in the description for whoever wants to take a look at it. It's from... The Washington Post, but it's written by Mike Renner, who is from Pro Football Focus, but he's a contributor for the Washington Post. And it's simply titled, Packers Problems. Aaron Rodgers has become a a gun-shy gunslinger. And I read that and I go, yes, that's the best way to put it. Whereas Aaron Rodgers, is he a bad quarterback when you look at the stats? No, not at all. But when you watch you watch him play this season, when he goes out there and he shows the signs of old Aaron Rodgers where it's just like, hey, let's just let it loose. I'm going to run all over the field, let it loose to six different receivers. I don't care who they are. He looks like the Aaron Rodgers of old. And that's what I think Aaron Rodgers needs to get back to because I just look at just a little part of this article where – Renner says, and I quote, the results speak for themselves. The Packer quarterback once led the lead in adjusted completion percentage in 11 and 12, but now he is set up for, he's on pace for career lows in several different categories. And here's the big quote, almost the identical persona that led the NFL in scoring back in 2014 now sits outside the top 10, end quote. And it's one of those things where it's he just has to get back to what Aaron Rodgers does best, and that is just, you know what, I'm just going to throw the ball all over the field. I'm not going to care who I'm throwing it to. I'm not going to care about It was almost like, to me, where it, was, it wasn't it was Brett Favre, because Brett Favre was kind of almost reckless with his gunslingerness. He, he was reckless. Where it was up the... That window is the size of a fuck it. I'm throwing needle. it deep. Fuck it. I'm gonna I'm gonna fit this football through that uh, haystack needle. Um, but that's how it went. But this year, I would I'm agreeing with you, Mark. I would not take Aaron Rodgers. If you were like, who's your quarterback? The first guy I would take Tom Brady. You can't like I want to say Derek Carr, but you can't Tom Brady. Then it's Derek Carr. Then it's Dak Prescott. Well, I, I'm gonna say. <sighs> Matthew Stafford. 
And the reason why I I wanted to say Dak, but then part of me is like, is it is it Dak or is it the system? Like, put Dak on any team that doesn't have Zeke in that offensive line. He might be good, but is he as good as he is? Matthew Stafford, like you said, lost his number one receiver who was a generational great and is still winning games and is the comeback kid. So to me, I would – actually, I'm going to flip it. I'm going to go Tom Brady – actually, yeah, Tom Brady, Derek Carr, Matthew Stafford. I didn't flip anything. Mm -hmm. Those are the three that I am taking above an Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. So, I mean, you you can't ignore Tom Brady. You know, I I throw Matt Ryan in there as Mm -hmm. well. Um, A lot of good quarterbacks and – Part of the thing I think that people want to want to get into is that Aaron Rodgers is 32. Mm-hmm. So what are we going to see next year? You know, I think that's a really big thing right now. Oh, and also he's going to turn 33 in what three days from when we're recording this, December second. Happy early birthday. birthday! Happy early birthday, Aaron! Yeah, fuck the Packers. <laughs> uh, no, uh, that's the Bears fan in me coming out. I can't really wish wish him a happy birthday, unfortunately. Uh, but people want to go into that. Is he just getting to that point where eventually quarterbacks, you know, they take the fall. Mm-hmm. They fall off the cliff. And I don't necessarily want to say that about Aaron Rodgers yet. He's still putting up 3,000 yards, still having great quarterback rating, good QBR. Uh, so, yeah, like I said, not going to say that yet. But still just want to take this moment to to knock on the Green Bay Packers and say, you had Brett Favre, you had Aaron Rodgers. Two of the best quarterbacks of the generation. And how many Super Bowls do you have to show for it? Two. Bill Belichick would have had at least 20. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say, at least hey, 20. Maybe Mike McCarthy might be the problem, but that's a conversation for a different time. We've actually, I wanted to get into a little bit more with their playoff push, but we've talked about this enough. If you guys want to hear us. I'll just say, best they can do is 9-7. and seven. Okay, best thing they can do is 9-7. and seven. I was going to say, if you want to hear us talk Packer playoffs, let us know down in the comment section, but also let us know what you guys think about Aaron Rodgers, his struggles, is he not struggling, would you take him over the quarterbacks that we said? Let us know down in the description. But it's time to uh, talk some coaches, Mark. Time to talk some coaches. We're going to do two things. We're going to talk about coaches who could be on the way out, and then we're going to transition into coaches who could be on the way in in 2017. And for coaches who could be or should be on the hot seat, I'm going to throw one out to you. And ESPN in their article has this coach as, and I quote, warming up. I don't know how it's not hot at this point. Marvin Lewis of the Cincinnati Bengals. We mention his name every single year yeah. when it gets to – uh Hot seat talk. Yeah, there's a few quarterbacks, uh, not quarterbacks, coaches in this warming up type of category who I just asked the question, what the hell do they have to do to get fired? (laughs) This is like one of those situations where you work somewhere and it's a nice cushy job. Maybe your union is very strong and people will say, you know, you almost got to steal something or murder somebody to get fired. This is kind of what that is. Marvin Lewis, for the life of him, cannot get fired. They're going to miss the playoffs this year. It's a guarantee pretty much at this point. Uh, They can't win when they get into the playoffs. They don't have playoff success under Marvin Lewis at all. Uh, They haven't won a single playoff game. They have had so much 
talent on this team, both offensively and defensively. And what do they have to show for it? Absolutely nothing. What the fuck does this guy have to do to get fired? I mean, seriously, it's ridiculous at this point. Uh, And, you know, part of the fact that maybe they want to say, you know, he's 115 and like 101, right? 99. 99? He's 115, 99, and 3. So he is, he's a winning coach. Sure. He's a winning coach. 53% winning percentage. But, and we've had some great success in the regular season so far. But my question I always ask people, when is enough enough? Yeah, and I think that with me, it's one of those things, when it comes to Marvin Lewis, it's not a fact of, wow, this guy stinks, get him out of town. It To me, when I think of Marvin Lewis and the Cincinnati Bengals, I think of the word mediocrity. And that's what you have here. You have a, I'm going to say, a, a winning culture of mediocrity when it comes to winning where Okay, yeah, we did well in the regular season. We made a playoff put or we made a playoff bid. Oh, we lost. And you're fine with that year after year yeah. after year. At least we got to there. where like you get there in 09, then you you have a 412 and 1 season or 412 season. It was the 411 and 1 that he had in 2008 before that. And then you start this playoff run and this is the century and now of just mediocrity to where it's like it's one of those things where I feel like the Bengals are, well, we could get rid of them. It's kind of like when you have that, when the guy has that girlfriend, and it's like, you can tell he's not really happy, but it's one of those things where it's like, well, I've been dating her this long, and if I get rid of her now, I mean, then I've got nothing, and i got mm-hmm. to go back to square zero. Yeah, That's what I feel where the Bengals are, where it's like, we could get rid of Marvin Lewis, but then maybe by getting rid of Marvin Lewis, we are going back to square one. Yeah. And that is scary. Where everything that you've built, but really it's, like I said, you're building a culture of winning, but mediocrity. or And now it's going winning. downhill. You know, it's really gone way downhill this mm-hmm. year um, to the point where it's like, now you don't even have that excuse anymore. And look at how many coaches that they've had. Lead. I mean... Hugh Jackson, I'm giving a slide because who 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 expected him to go to Cleveland and make the playoffs? I LeBron. mean, I, I'm not I'm not I'm not giving him any mm. any hard feelings for that. Oh, and twelve. I mean, he is in Cleveland, but you see Mike Zimmer, you see Jay Gruden, they leave, they have success. Jay Gruden's doing pretty well with Kirk Cousins in Washington. You've got Mike Zimmer doing really well and building a really good team. In Minnesota, who would have been a Super Bowl contender if our quarterback if they didn't had get an injured? Offensive line. Well, yeah, but if Teddy didn't get injured, Teddy could still do things with his legs and extend uh, the play. That offensive line is terrible. I know, I know, but he could extend with his legs and maybe make things happen. That's what I'm saying. He's going to get hurt no matter what. I don't think he would have. I don't it's think fate. he would have been hurt. I don't think it was fate. But I think the Bengals need to move on. They need to move yeah. on from Marvin Lewis. And Coaches I can't, have been I fired under, for less. I don't understand how he could be listed as warming up. This seat should be hot because when I look at the playoff picture right now at 3-7-1, and one, really you're hypothetically still in it because you're three, three games if in the loss column, maybe three and a half mm-hmm. out from the Dolphins. 
But let's be honest. You lose two more games, you're done. If you go 6-9-1, and one, you're done. Oh, for sure. If you go even 7-8-1, and one, you're done. That tie messes with you. But this Bengals team, one or two more losses, and they're, they're done. They're not making the playoffs. And I think they need to make a move because it's going to be one of those things where it's either you're going to continue being at the bottom of the AFC or it's, oh, well, we'll get back, but it's right back to that mediocre style of winning. Yeah, I, I got to point out, you know, a team like the, uh, you know, the Denver Broncos getting rid of John Fox, getting Gary Kubiak, mm-hmm. winning a fucking Super Bowl right then and there. And it's not the only time a team has gotten a new coach and won a Super Bowl in the near future. So it's definitely possible, but unfortunately for Cincinnati Bengals, they kind of missed the boat on that one. Team is going the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, to move on from the Cincinnati Bengals, because, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to talk about them anymore. Yeah. Another team that's in the exact same situation is the Los Angeles Rams with Jeff Fisher. Why does this guy have a job? He is the the definition of seven and nine bullshit. Uh, and you love saying that, by the I way. I do. It's one of my favorite things ever since I heard him say it. Uh, that's a Jeff Fisher quote, in case you didn't know. And he's just not good. You talk about mediocrity. Jeff Fisher is also, coincidentally, the definition of mediocrity. He is purely like a 500 quarterback. He will uh, quarterback coach. He will get you to the middle. And that is as good as it really gets. As good as it'll ever get and somehow the guy still has a job. I don't know what blackmail he has on every single GM out there, but the guy just doesn't get fired. And when he did get fired, he got another job without an issue. Mm-hmm. I don't know how he does it. This team is not good. They have never been good with Jeff Fisher. Jeff Fisher teams really are not good in general. Uh, You know, in five years, he's had a losing record with the St. Louis slash Los Angeles Rams. But still, they want more? It makes no sense to me. Well, and really the one thing, Jeff Fisher's situation is interesting because to me at this point, it's not just what's going on on the field or – Technically, this is on the field as well, but not actually with the football in your hands. This could also play in with the Eric Dickerson stuff that's happening, where Eric Dickerson, if you're unaware, living under a rock, he went on AM570 in LA on Monday and basically said that upper management told him that he was not welcomed on the sidelines, where that prompted the the higher-ups for the Rams to go on defensive, sent out some tweets. I guess Jeff Fisher called Dickerson and said that he wasn't allowed to be on the sideline because he makes uh, his players feel... The public comments make his players feel uncomfortable about him being on the sideline. I think this is one of the things where if if the play on the field isn't enough... If Jeff Fisher, I'm going to say straight whiffing on Jared Goff, and I'm not saying whiffing on picking him. I'm saying whiffing on the whole playing situation of Jared Goff. You got to let this has to be the third strike of, hey, we got to get this guy out of here because we got to get somebody in here that will do something. Because here's my theory with the Rams and. Sean, I know I've brought this up to Sean, 
and Sean doesn't completely agree with it, I'm going to see what you think, Mark. The Rams are no longer in St. Louis. In St. Louis, it was very easy to be it was very easy to be kind of mediocre cuz it's a baseball town. They like their Cardinals and it's like, "Oh, the Rams are there." Well, in LA, number 1, there's an expectation of they want greatness. They want their teams to be great. You're Kings, back. Now win. Yeah. Kings, champions. Lakers, champions. Clippers aren't champions, but right now they're playing pretty damn well. You also have USC and all of their, they were basically the pro football team through my lifetime in LA. And the Rams now come back and you have abysmal season. I'm going to say four and seven, abysmal season as your first year in LA. In LA, you got to, you got to start winning because to me, there's so much to do in LA. So much to do, much more things to take people's attention to where if you're going to start losing, no one's going to pay attention to you. Yeah. They're going to have the Lakers. They're going to have the Clippers. The Lakers are on the up and up. The Clippers are already there where they're Mm -hmm. a top team in the Western Conference. The Kings are always good in hockey. The thing I've always said is to transplant city. Mm -hmm. People go to that city and already have the team that they cheer for. Mm -hmm. Sure, they will adopt a new team if you're successful. It is a very bandwagon type of city, too. Uh, but, yeah, it's just it's not a place where you cannot be successful. And Jeff Fisher is an, a perfect example of not being successful. They got to get rid of him. They got to get rid of him. And supposedly there's some source out there saying that the Rams and Jeff Fisher are going to sign a new deal together. Don't. If that happens, just stop. Just just, I don't know, get rid of them. They were talking about a possible de- developmental team or developmental mm-hmm. league that the NFL is going to sponsor. The very first team should be the LA Rams, if that's the case, because signing Jeff Fisher to yet another deal is saying that, hey, we are prepared to suck for the entire duration of our Los Angeles existence mm-hmm. until we once again leave. When L.A. loses yet another team. How about this one? I'll throw this one out to you. This is probably the easiest home run I'm going to give you all podcast. Gus Bradley. Yeah, Gus Bradley sucks. Uh, <laughs> this this roster is really good. Nice way to put it, Mark. Yeah, this roster is really good. It, it is. And I, I do want to give some blame to Blake Bortles because mm-hmm. I think Blake Bortles deserves quite a bit of it. Uh, he's just so unpredictable. Um, and when he's been successful, it's just that little glimmer of hope, and then he comes out there and he proves us wrong. So it's bad. It's two and nine. This is Bradley's uh, fourth season, and you know this team—they cannot ever get above five hundred. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to say when is enough enough again, but the man's fourteen and forty-five. That's that's bad. That's well, bad. I mean, it is Jacksonville. So, I mean, you could look at it and go, well, it is the Jaguars. Hey, we got 14 wins. That's good, right? I'm gonna, I am gonna. have an interesting theory about the Jaguars, and I want to throw it out to you. What do you think the – because one guy that no one's talked about, and this is something that we're going to get into at the end of the podcast, but nobody has talked about these, like this coach when it comes to coming back into the game. Tom Coughlin, who's been sitting out this year. I do, talked about him last week. Do you think that we see a situation where the Jaguars fire Gus Bradley 
and getting talks with Coughlin to come back and coach the Jaguars, a team and a city he is familiar with from being the coach in Jacksonville before he went to New York. Yeah, I think that if any team can get Tom Coughlin to get off the couch and come back to football, it's got to be him. It really does because I don't see who else could inspire Tom Coughlin the to Bears. get off. I think the Bears have a shot, but the Bears aren't really – the Bears roster is not next season we win. And Tom Coughlin's old. He's old. He's had his success. 70 years old. He wants to come out there and basically take that roster, make a few tweaks, make a few changes, and just kind of get a little bit more out of them and win. And that's why I say that with Jacksonville because this was supposed to be the year the Jaguars took that next leap. I mean, they drafted Ramsey for the secondary. They had Dante Fowler Jr. coming back off an injury. You have the young T.J. Yeldon in the backfield, Blake Bortles. You have Allen Robert. You have Allen and Allen, basically, as your wide receivers on the outside, Allen Hearns and Allen Robinson, to where this team was supposed to be. You have Julius Thomas as your tight end. This was supposed to be the year that this team sort of took off and made a statement of, hey, the Jaguars are finally here. Now, it hasn't been them. The Oakland Raiders have been doing that for them just fine. But that's why I bring up Tom Coughlin. I have that theory of maybe, maybe the Jaguars can bring him out and bring him back into the head coaching um, world. One other coach I want to mention before we wrap everything up, and this is a guy where... I kind of find it funny that they say colder than you think on this ESPN article because it, we already know if they don't make the playoffs, he's going to be gone. But That's what they said. Rex That's what Ryan. they told him. It's yeah. Does Rex Ryan get the boot? Rex Ryan probably uh, – well, it's weird because he doesn't necessarily deserve to get the boot. Because uh, the Bills have played pretty decently. But Are they going to make the playoffs, though? That's no, the thing. they're not going to make the, the playoffs. And they said – Talk is cheap, but they said if you are not making the playoffs this year, you are sitting at home mm-hmm. or coaching somewhere else. So it's one of those times where you gotta you gotta actually act on your words. You have to make good on your words, otherwise, what does that mean? Uh, oh, sorry, we just threatened your job, but we didn't really mean it. No, that doesn't work. So, I mean, I think he kind of has to go for that case, although I, for once I'm going to say Rex Ryan maybe doesn't deserve to get fired in this situation because it was a long time in New York I said he should. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I I think there's a lot of these coaches that probably should. I think Mike McCarthy needs to go. John Fox I don't think needs to go, but I think he will unless Matt Barkley suddenly starts winning games. Please do not. Uh, <laughs> Chuck Pagano, I think there's – probably thought about it, but I think he's safe. Um, you know, those are the kind of, oh, of course, Mike McCoy. Mike McCoy, too. That guy does need to go. Uh, San Diego Chargers have just been too mediocre as well. So a lot of a lot of coaches that probably should go, but, you know, we're always surprised every year by the guys who stick around. Well, and the one thing that the Bills, they have three teams ahead of them in the playoff picture, and if you look at the final five games – the Bills have Oakland, Steelers, Browns, Dolphins, Jets. Three games, Raiders, Steelers, Dolphins. That's going to decide their season. The Steelers 
had the Giants, the Bills, and the Ravens. The Broncos basically have their last three, Patriots, Chiefs, and Raiders. Then the Dolphins basically have the, I'm just going to say it, maybe the Ravens this week, but after that, the Bills and the Patriots at the end of the year. The Bills, if they even lose to either the Steelers or the Dolphins, their season could be over. Yeah. And by that, I mean they're just not going to make the playoffs because it's one of those things where I just think, I don't think they're going to beat the Raiders. I think the Raiders have their number. The Steelers, I can give them because the Steelers, it depends on what kind of disciplinary, like how disciplined they play. But I got to give the edge to the Dolphins right now, just how they have played overall. And then the Broncos, I mean, it's really going to depend. They have the roughest with that Patriot Chief Raider to end the season. The Bills, it's possible. I just don't see them making the playoff. I see either the Dolphins. I'm going to say the Dolphins or the Broncos making that playoff spot at the at the sixth seed because the Chiefs are going to be the fifth seed. It's either going to be the Chiefs or the Raiders at the sixth seed. The other one is going to win the division. But before we wrap everything up and we go into some coaches that could be getting jobs next year, are there any coaches that we left off that you want to throw out there and mention? No, I mentioned my little uh, thing just a little bit ago about guys like Mike McCoy, Mike McCarthy, how they should go. John Fox probably will go, but doesn't necessarily deserve it. Rex Ryan, I think, is in that same situation of there's a good chance he'll go, doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. deserve it. Chuck Pagano, I think, is safe. Um, that's Those are my guys. Those are my guys right now. Now, and we are going to move on, and before we do... Oh, Chip Kelly, uh, I think Chip Kelly will probably be safe, but he's I would gonna, like him to I, go. I think he's got one more year, then we'll see him back in college. One more in the NFL, after next year he's back in college, unless that Oregon job opens up and he jumps right back to the Oregon his Ducks. His safe place. Yeah, his safe place, but let us know down below what you guys think, what coaches do you think could be getting fired as we get towards the end of this NFL season. It's sad to say that we're getting towards the end, but now we're going to look at head coaches that we could see new faces heading into 2017. And these are guys like Kyle Shanahan from the Falcons. You've got Terrell Austin and even Jim Bob Cooter from the Lions. Jim Schwartz from the Eagles. Sean McDermott, a guy that we brought up last week when we talked about the bear job. Mark, I'm going to let you go first. Who's one guy that you think, man, this assistant, this guy, he is going to be a new face and a new head coach for a football team next season? Yeah, I really think that Jim Schwartz is that guy because he, he, you know, he did his time in Detroit. Didn't work out for him. He's been spending time in Philadelphia. Uh, and, you know, after two years of being a defensive coordinator, he's done good stuff in Philly. I think that some team who needs a defensive-minded coach is going to go ahead and give Jim Schwartz a call because of the fact that when it comes to a defensive coach, mm-hmm. that's probably your best option is to go for Jim Schwartz, unless you're going to go for, like, Sean McDermott out of Carolina. Those are, like, your two options that you have. I personally am not high on Matt Patricia out of uh, New England. Not really willing to give that, but I just have a bias against the Bill Belichick coaching tree in general. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I think Jim Schwartz, if for for teams who want a defensive minded coach, and there's definitely some out there. Uh, my Chicago Bears being one of them, and I really don't want to see Jim Schwartz as the head coach of Chicago Bears. Uh, but I think Jim Schwartz is going to be one of the first guys to go ahead and get that job. No, if the Bears to me, I'm telling you, I'm, I said it last week, I'll say it again. The guy that needs to, and this is a guy where he's going to get some interviews, but to me his perfect job would be the Bears is Sean McDermott. I mean, defensive-minded coach, 42 years of age, and... This is a guy who has kind of built that defense with Ron Rivera in Carolina. And the one thing that they say here in the ESPN article is if there's seven or eight openings this season, you figure that McDermott would get a good chance of securing one of them. I think he's a coach that could, but to me, that bear job is just, I just to me, too perfect for one him. One thing that scares me about Sean McDermott is – how easily that defense fell apart as soon as they lost one key player. As soon and as the Bears you, have had 15 injuries this year. Yeah, it, you you can't you can't have something where as soon as something is different, it all falls apart. And that's something that kind of worries me there. Uh, and it's not all one coach to blame, but you know it's there's something to that, and. It just scares me a little bit when you think of it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to, while we're talking about these defensive coordinators, Matt Patricia, uh, he's definitely got a lot of attention as well. And I think he's kind of... But the Patriots are probably going to go to the Super Bowl, which means he probably won't get doesn't a get a good Doesn't get a good shot. Uh, Owners don't like waiting that long, man. They do not like waiting for no, people to finish the Super Bowl to interview them. But I got to think, you know, what is... Out of the Bill Belichick coaching tree, like mm-hmm. what is the best coach that's come out of that? Bill Pro- O'Brien, but he had most of his success in college. I was going to say probably Nick Saban, but once again, it's only college success. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh McDaniels is failed. He failed in Denver, and now he's back in New England. Jim Schwartz failed in Detroit. He's in uh, Philadelphia. There's not too, there's not really too many options of guys who have been all that successful out of his coaching tree, and I don't want to, you know, completely say therefore Matt Patricia is a failure, mm-hmm. uh, but it just makes me nervous when you see all the failure and literally well, like no success. And I mean, I look at his, I look at his coaching tree, and the two best have to be Nick Saban and then Kirk Ferentz. Mm-hmm. Oh, both of those coaches. Both really good college coaches, Ferentz at yeah. Iowa, Saban in Alabama. But, but unfortunately, then, we're in the NFL. Yeah, other than that, Bill O'Brien had success in college, hasn't had success in the NFL. Josh McDaniels, like you said, Jim Schwartz, Eric Mangini. Eric Mangini was the coaching mm. tree of Bill Belichick, yeah. Romeo Cronell. Not really success, though. Charlie Weiss. These are coaches that, I mean, with Charlie Weiss, he went to the college ranks Mm -hmm. and just didn't really do anything for Notre Dame and then Kansas. But really it's, I don't want to jump on the bandwagon. Like you said, that oh Matt Patricia is not a good head coach because he comes from that Belichick tree, but it's really of a, how confident are you in that one defensive coordinator that I think is going to get a job mainly because this is what happens in Cincinnati is Paul Gunther. 
where he's a guy where he takes over in 2005 as an assistant. He gets promoted to defensive coordinator in 2014 when Mike Zimmer leaves. Been the defensive coordinator since then. And it just seems like the trend. Zimmer gets a job. Gruden gets a job. Hugh Jackson gets a job. Paul Gunther, he's the next one from the Bengals to get a job. Does he potentially just stay in Cincinnati and no, get Marvin Lewis' no, job? I don't think so. Yeah, that's an interesting one. And mm-hmm. that's one that I'm interested to see. Bengal fans who are listening, I want to know what you think. Would you be happy with that if your team got rid of, like, if they got rid of Marvin Lewis, would you want them to go out and get someone different? Or would you want them to hire from within? Because, like I said in the last segment, oh, it's kind of like that mediocre winning culture. Would hiring Paul Gunther from within change that culture? Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know. And it's a team that they, they definitely have some issues this year. And it's, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to be considered a good thing or considered a bad thing. Uh, I definitely think there's quite a few issues um, and that's probably not the best way to go. One guy Outside's who's, better. One guy who's got to get a job, though, is Daryl Bevel. He's a guy that it seems like for the last two years, especially last year, he drew some interviews, and we thought he was going to get a job, and then, he, boom, he stayed put in Seattle. He's another one that I look at. like It's one of those ones where it's like kind of, you see it in politics where it's like, oh, this person's uh, – really trying to get their their nose in the door, get their head in the door, and then, boom, they're making a serious presidential run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because he he's had some time where uh, he's had a lot of success, and anybody out of Seattle is going to have some success for sure. So those, you know, those defensive type of, you know, if you're really looking for something, um, he's actually... I don't know. Here's my problem. Here's my mm-hmm. problem. So, so much of the Seattle Seahawks is just that roster. And yes, coaching is good. Pete Carroll's done a wonderful job. But what Pete Carroll has been best at is getting young, cheap, talented players. Look at Todd Bowles. Yeah. And the Jets. Look at He doesn't have a roster anywhere near Seattle. And look at what he's had to deal with. Exactly. I mean, he this season has not gone the way... Many, including myself, thought mm-hmm. that the New York Jets season would go. I mean, his pers- the personality issues he has to deal with yeah. have been different, but still not the same roster. It just kind of I, – I really – I honestly don't know which way to go on Daryl Bevel just because I give so much credit to what Pete Carroll mm-hmm. created in Seattle that I don't know if any of these guys are going to be able to go and replicate something like that. So that's a huge question mark to me. And before I kind of kick it off to you for any of the last names that we haven't mentioned to close up shop, I'm going to throw out one more at you. And this is one where I'm not quite sure how he would be as a head coach. And because of that, I would not give him a shot if I had a head coaching opportunity. This is a guy who didn't really do anything when he was with the Redskins, now with the Atlanta Falcons. What do you think of Kyle Shanahan? Is he going to get a shot to be an NFL head coach? I hope not. Um, no, I don't think that there's there's much out of Mike Shanahan. I mean, I'm sorry, Kyle Shanahan. Uh, Almost the same thing at this yeah, point. Yeah, pretty much. You know, it was such a disaster when he was over in Washington. Um, our, 
Yeah, it was Washington, then, then Cleveland, Cleveland last year. Yeah. And there's no success in Cleveland for anyone who's ever in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And now, being in Atlanta, yes, there's success because they have an amazing offense. And Matt Ryan is a huge part of that for sure. So, I don't know. Kyle Shanahan's young. I think the guy kind of needs a little bit more time to cook, I guess, mm-hmm. to, to develop. Um, I wouldn't be willing to make him a, a head coach right now where he'll be, what, like 40 next year? I think the guy still needs some time to develop. That would be me. I wouldn't be willing to to bite on it. How about you? Any coaches that we haven't talked about that you're like, man, I, I'm interested to see what this guy does in the offseason. Yeah, because we mentioned Matt Patricia, I think we have to mention Josh McDaniels as well uh, out of New England. And Didn't, he's failed in Denver, yeah, but, but he, a big part of that was Tim Tebow, Yeah, I that's think. what I was going to say. He had to deal with the Tim Tebow Broncos. Yeah, so how much blame can you put on Josh McDaniels, even though Josh McDaniels probably was a big Tim Tebow fan? Uh, so maybe we question his judgment in that case. But maybe he just, you know, was thinking about baseball, and that's why he wanted Tim Tebow and forgot what sport he was coaching. I don't know. But, yeah, I think that Josh McDaniels, because he's with the Patriots, is mm-hmm. going to get a shot somewhere. Uh, it might not be this go-around, but I think he will get a shot. I I don't know how I feel about it. I, don't th- I wouldn't be willing to have my team do it. Mm-hmm. But I would be interested to see what happens somewhere else for him. And you talked about Kyle Shanahan being kind of on the younger side. This coach that I'm going to bring up to kind of end things is 32. Because of the success with the Lions and Matthew Stafford, do some teams uh, look at uh, Jim Bob Cooter to be their head coach? They could. JBC. Uh, yeah, they definitely could. I Maybe not this year. Maybe not this year, maybe next year. Maybe one see one more year of uh him with Stafford and that offense. Yeah, let's see if it was let's see if it was true success or if it's just that the NFC North sucks. Yeah, it, it could it could be the it could be the latter with uh how some of the teams have been playing. But this is where I want you guys to come in and let us know down below what coaches do you think are going to either get interviews, get several interviews, or could we actually see as head coaches in 2017, one guy that I want to mention, too, from the Lions is Terrell Austin because he's a bevel kind of a guy where he got looks last year, didn't get a job. This year could be the year where he finally goes ahead and gets one. He's got to be at the top of the pack for these head coaching jobs. But that's going to do it for the onside kick this week. You can go ahead and follow Mark and myself. Down below is our Twitters in the description. Remember, if you want to help support the channel other than hitting that subscribe button and that like button the first thing you can do share this video or this podcast to all of your friends and family facebook and twitter instagram wherever you go ahead and do your sharing at otherwise you can also hit us up on patreon patreon.com backslash most valuable podcast just some extra ways for you guys to help support the channel other than hitting that like and subscribe button i hope you guys enjoyed the podcast this week mark and myself will be back next week to talk more football, but until then, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.